Thanks, Pastor Scott. Hey, it's great to be with you once again today as our pastor is on uh, sabbatical. And good news is he'll be back in a couple weeks. And so looking forward to that. I came across a uh, story from the past uh, that I think is very appropriate this morning. It, it's, it's from a mom, and, and she writes about how she was walking uh, on a trail with her four-year-old daughter. And, and as they went along, her four-year-old daughter looked down and saw something, picked it up, and began to put it into her mouth. And her mom kind of, whoa, whoa, don't put that in your mouth. It, it, you don't know where that's been, and, uh, and you don't know what kind of germs it has on it. And so the daughter threw it on the ground. And it was about two or three minutes later, and she was you know, clearly thinking about you know, what's going on. And she, she says, Mom, wow, how do you know all this stuff? And, and the mom, thinking quickly, said, well, um, all moms know this stuff. It's on the mommy test. You know, you, you have to do it, you have to know it, or you don't, they don't let you be a mommy. And uh, they walked in silence for another minute or so, and, and finally the daughter exasperated out loud. She said, oh, I get it, she beamed. So if you don't pass the test, you have to be a daddy. Exactly, the mom replied. And with a big smile on her face and joy in her heart, Happy Mother's Day. And uh, we today, we not only celebrate our moms, but we celebrate all of the women in our lives. Let's bow our heart, heads and hearts and pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time and this adventure that we're on. Lead us on, Lord. Have your way in our hearts as we open, Lord, literally our hearts to what your spirit will speak into us. Now, Lord, be with us in this time of being in your word, in your name, amen. We uh, are continuing our series with uh, Mother's Day you know, happening all around us on crossing over the Crimson Bridge. The Crimson Bridge is the cross of Jesus Christ, and it is to pass over from death to life. And our theme passage has been in Romans chapter 6, verses 13 and 14, and there it says this, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Now turn your Bible to Acts chapter two. The Crimson Bridge again is the cross of Jesus Christ that brought us from spiritual death to life and, and what it means to be a Christian in this Christian experience, in this Christian walk. And we've previously looked at the whole idea and concept of as we've been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life that we all, all parts of our being, all, all of our members that make us up of who we are as individuals, that it all comes over the cross, but to not allow any of those pieces of our lives to come back over and live over here. Everything about who we are, what we are as followers of Jesus Christ is all under the cross. We live in the shadow of the cross. We have been brought over by that work that Jesus Christ did on the cross that we celebrated a few weeks back on Easter Sunday and that we are new creations, that we have new life in him and that everything about who we are 
is in the shadow of the cross and through the perspective of the cross. And so it is to have everything about who we are and what we do and the decisions that we make considering the perspective of the wondrous cross. And that's another great word, and that's what we like to do when we talk about what Jesus has done for us, is to use all the best words. Now, today our focus is what it means to be united as Christ followers because of the Crimson Bridge. So let's have a look at Acts chapter 2, where we see a powerful point of unity, uh, literally the beginning of the Christian church uh, within this early church period. And this unity began as a command of Jesus in Luke chapter 24 for the disciples to gather and wait for the endowment of power from the Holy Spirit to fall and rest upon them. And so they gathered. And here's where it begins at verse number one, Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came. Now, Pentecost was a feast uh, that occurred annually in Jerusalem where people would come in from all parts of the planet, all the Jews, they would come in for the outermost reaches. And as they would come in, they would collect more towns with them and they would all come in together into Jerusalem for the feast season. And one of these feasts was Pentecost. And Pentecost means harvest. It was to celebrate the harvest. And because of what occurred in Acts chapter two, that we're gonna look at in just a moment, that's where we get the name of churches like ours or groups like ours as being Pentecostals. Now, it continues. They were all together in one place. So there's a connotation of unity here. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. What part of the house? Says the whole house where they were. And they saw... Who saw? They all saw together what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them. How many? It was all. Were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And for many of us today, as, as you're listening to this, as you're watching this, this, uh, this feed, you understand exactly what we're talking about here, the infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit upon an individual here as it is, is witnessed, being evidenced by the, the speaking in unknown tongues of men and angels by the people that are speaking it. And there's an incredible thing that follows. I encourage you to read that on your own. But let's not miss the fact that we know that there are about 120 that were gathered together in the upper room waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as Jesus instructed them to do. You know, an awful lot of things in our lives would go better if we dared to do what Jesus told us to do that we would be a people of the book, a people who, who followed godly leadership and strived for unity within the body. That would change a lot of our lives. And by the way, for those who have been contacting my wife and I on a frequent basis during this special season, just to check up on us and see how we're doing. Thank you. 
Thank you very much, and we really, really appreciate it. I'll never forget uh, moving into a, a new community, and uh, one of the first things that I was told about moving into this new city was that there seemed to be some sort of maverick spirit uh, among the churches. And basically what it was talking about, it was uh, talking about the grouping of people. And there was very much, instead of being uh, followers of Christ together and coming together and joining together within a local church and even a larger church body within the community, there was this great struggle of consumerism among the believers. I mean, they were just, we had folks just popping from here to here to, to here to here. They never really connected with a, a local church, a local fellowship. They just wanted just to come in and just pop around, and this feels good for a little while. And, and you know, we're kind of, you know, kind of, you know, run our course here. Let's go somewhere else. And, and they would just do that. You know, it was really funny to go to pastor meetings every month, and, and, uh, and inevitably someone would say, okay, um, so-and-so, this family has left our church. And, and you know, and there'd be some snickers in the room because that family had already been in those pastor's churches. And then you'd find out where they went to next. And, and it was kind of one of those things where you knew that they were really, never really part of your church, but they were just there taking up space. Uh, you know, they'd make some noises a little bit like they were gonna get really get involved. And then they'd leave because they were consumers instead of producers of ministry. And this is, you know, frankly, not what we're talking about here when we come across the Crimson Bridge. We leave behind this kind of selfishness and we move together in Christ. And not only in Christ, but as we're looking at this whole topic and we see it over and over again in the book of Acts as well as all throughout scripture, this whole idea and concept of how we need each other and how important our unity is and how important that our life together is as we encourage and as we sharpen one another in the faith. And now we turn ahead to a few pages later uh, in Acts, looking at chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. And uh, here it begins at verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that, there, all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now, as we're sitting at home right now and we're looking at that last part, you don't hear this being preached a lot in churches. And we're going to get to, you know, kind of the meaning and understanding of what's going on here. But, you know, look around the house right now and how many would consider yourself to be a capitalist? I'm a capitalist. And it's true. I mean, I think that I'm here to, you know, to produce something and move forward with it. And uh, here it talks about, you know, giving to one another and being a source of encouragement to one another. And we're going to get to a better understanding of that in just a moment. But these people had already crossed over the Crimson Bridge. And because of that crossover from death to life, 
They had changed. They were new creations in Christ. And they knew the environment that they were all in, that they needed each other in order for survival. Because this is a, you know, this is a new faith. This is what was prophesied in the Old Testament. And, and here it comes. But they needed one another in order to be able to move forward. And they were living in a pre-Christian culture. It was not of Christ. And even now, as, as we look at our culture here in the United States, it is what is called a post-Christian culture. Guess what? We're right back where we started. And these are some exciting days that we have that, that lay ahead of us. But there's a couple points that I'd like for us to look at today uh, with the limited time that we have remaining. First of all, number one, they were of one heart and mind. And you know, you gotta love the feast season in, in Israel. And that's where people would come in from the farthest reaches, all the Jews uh, from other countries, and come in, and as they would come to town to town, the Jews in those communities would come in with them into Jerusalem. And you always go up to Jerusalem because it's on a hill. And uh, there are what are known as Psalms of Ascents. It's in the book of Psalms. There are several of these Psalms that, that describe this whole coming up and, and walking up together. Uh, I'm looking for my Bible, and I've got it right here. Psalm 133 is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture, and it especially deals with the subject of unity. In fact, right now, if you, even if you don't have a Bible, I just want to invite you to close your eyes while I, while I share this with you and kind of visualize what's going on here. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. I know that we're all for the Lord's blessing, but friends... What a beautiful word picture of literally what we're supposed to be like as, as followers of God. And that is some great stuff. There's a lot of simple words there but that are put together to put together a, a wonderful and marvelous word picture. And so time and again, we see in the Pauline epistles in the New Testament that we are called to peace with one another so that we can have peace with God through Christ Jesus who covers us with the crimson bridge and the work that he did there. Now, there's a universal quote. If mama ain't happy, nobody happy. Uh, now, I don't know exactly, uh, you know, what to say about that. It is something, you know, a little bit selfish as you look at it on the, on the face, but we recite it because quite possibly all of us understand what that means but we don't ever bring it up on Mother's Day. If something happens that mom doesn't like, she can make things happen that causes us to stand up and pay attention. And likely, most of the time, this is for our own good. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And while we can chuckle about the reality of this phrase, but let's consider the reality behind it. Mothers have expectations 
that their children and husbands had better rise up to and meet. And that is a reality. And friends, more often than not, that is a very good thing. Jesus, full of grace by which we are saved, also has expectations about how we should then live. And repeatedly, we see this whole idea of unity and peace. And being of one mind within the church means that we are to have the mind of Christ, which is a whole series of sermons within itself. And we are to be a people full of the spirit of Christ, pursuing him and doing what the scriptures say we should be doing. It's kind of like, going on missions trips with you know, our, the folks that are in the church body. And we did this every year, as many as a couple times a year in the last church where I served as the leader. And it was incredible. We packed everybody up, we'd go down to Mexico, and we would help uh, you know, some missionaries we had down there, usually on a church construction-oriented project. And we'd be involved in services and, and all those kind of things. But as we did life together and, and working and moving together, things would arise and, and we just get to the point where, where, you know, we'd look at each other, something would happen in front of us, and without saying anything, we knew exactly what was going on, we knew exactly how to respond to that situation, to that scenario, and we jumped together and made her happen. Uh, it, it's like being here in church on a, on a Sunday morning and, and we have experience experiences together in church. And maybe it's great teaching, which we have here. We've got a pastor who is gifted in the area of teaching. And when we come in here, we get a steak every Sunday. And I like steak. I don't know about you, but it's a great and wonderful thing. But we experience the word of God together and we respond together to the word of God. We respond together when the presence of God moves upon our hearts and upon our lives. And we get to the place and the point where we, you know, kind of just look over at each other and we know what's going on because we're doing life together. We have one mind, one accord, one spirit moving and working together. I love the title of, uh, of a book that's in my library, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And when we're doing life together uh, under the leadership of you know, one key leader and we're getting a steady stream and flow and a, and a diet of, of you know, nutrients for our spiritual lives, we are moving together and we need each other to rub off on one another as iron sharpens iron. And as we are of one heart and of one mind and of one spirit, oh, friends, that changes everything. And all of a sudden, you've got people in your life that have your back. Even when you're wrong, they love you. And they'll put their arm around you and bring you back to where you need to be. We need each other. And I miss each other during this crazy season. But let us not shrink back, but let us move forward in and through this, this whole time, this whole season, knowing that on the horizon that we will be within one another's proximity. But use the phone. Use email. Talk to each other. Be a source of encouragement to one another. And don't allow any stinking thinking to get in the way 
of who we are in Christ because that is not the way for us to go. Secondly, they shared with one another. Uh, think of the early church. There were certainly some rich folks that were within those congregations and there were a lot of poor folks, very little middle class during that time. And uh, so it was really about the haves and the have-nots. And, you know, the people needed to stick together in order to survive. And, and yes, the haves often came in and helped out the have-nots. The passage said that it was by God's grace that it allowed for all of these things to happen, for those who had more resources to help those that had less. And it's the reason why we not only give tithes, but also offering. Tithes are just the basics of you know, what we give back to God, but offerings, is we give those because we love God. And they take care of a, a variety of, of needs. And during these difficult days, we've seen great outpourings uh, among our population to send masks and other personal protection items to our medical facilities that need them. Uh, we've seen the government give out stimulus checks. And isn't it funny how we're indignant if we haven't received our stimulus check yet? Because if somebody owes that to us. Okay, I'm meddling now. Let's not think about that for a little bit. But, you know, some of us right now are, you know, being stirred towards some charities to give to. And some people are actually giving their stimulus checks to these charities because they have much. But here's the reality. Because of the commonality of the love of Christ in our hearts, we feel an intense responsibility to one another. And that's because we've passed over the Crimson Bridge. And while we don't see people liquidating their assets to help others, as they did 2,000 years ago, we do see funds, we see tools, and time being given to meet the needs of others. And, you know, we could say it this way, time, talent, and treasures. And you've heard out sermon outlines along those lines. But our economies are different from 2,000 years ago. Today, cash, tools, and time, time, talent, and treasures are opportunities to lift one another up. And often we do it in a, a corporate manner together as a local church. Uh, sometimes something happens in the lives of, you know, the folks that are within the body. And the body of believers rises up to meet that need, to help with housing or to help with a circumstance or, or situation where, you know, somebody needs a place to go and a place to be and, and to move forward in that manner. And other times we do it individually through benevolence. But these are things we do because we've crossed over from death to life. You know, I think that one of my favorite authors, J. Oswald Sanders, has it right when he wrote, the basic question is not how much of our money, and I would add time, you know, time and, and, and talents, uh, should we give to God? But how much of God's money and our time and talents should we keep for ourselves? How much of his stuff should we keep for ourselves? You see, when we pass over from death to life, we come to an understanding that it's all his. In his book, 316, The Numbers of Hope, Max Lucado writes of his uh, niece by marriage. And uh, when she was bearing her first child, had her mother-in-law and her husband in the room. 
And uh, after witnessing uh, three hours of pushing when the uh, baby finally crowned, the uh, Lucado says that his nephew turned to his mother and said, I'm sorry for every time I, I talk back to you. And you know, isn't that how it is? We understand that there was a price that was paid for the Crimson Bridge. A price was paid for us to cross over from death to life. And you know, our close loved ones, and especially our moms, know what it means to give even when it hurts us at times or hurts themselves at times. And my wife and I have, have done that and know what that feels like. And many of you understand exactly what I'm talking about. And, 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 and let us get one thing clear right now. We do not give to receive a blessing. We love blessing, but that's not why we give. We give because out of obedience. We give because it's the right thing to do. And, and, and yes, the word of God says that blessing can follow. But that part does not matter. What matters is, is that we are the people who are people of the book, people of the spirit, and we do what Jesus asks for us to do. Now, we follow the voice of the spirit. And so when I was pastoring in my last church, uh, we had a layperson come in uh, from Springfield, uh, Missouri, from our national denominational headquarters. And no, I've never been there and don't plan on it any time in the future. It's a bad plane fare ticket. Long story short, this layperson came in and he spoke on Sunday morning and, and it was about Bibles for China. And you know, basically what had happened was is that we had finally come out with a really good study Bible for Pentecostal pastors and believers. And so this was for the fire Bibles to be able to be put in you know, Mandarin and to be able to be distributed among pastors and church leaders in China, which by the way, it was illegal. But we were doing this and uh, very exciting you know, times. Uh, literally many of these Bibles were being printed in China anyway. And so what was occurring was that they would go out the front door of the factory uh, overseas and we were trying to get Bibles to be produced to go out the back door to uh, the underground church that was, that's in that country uh, to this day and literally millions and millions of people. And so we get to the end of the service and man, the Lord's dealing with my heart and I'm, and I'm just sitting there thinking, Lord, this is just a no-brainer. You know, what, what are my wife and I, what's my family supposed to do? And he puts on my heart that we're supposed to give $1,000. And I don't know about you, but $1,000 to me, especially, you know, on my salary, you know, at that time, and, you know, even today, that's a lot of money. I mean, that was a lot of money, and yeah, we barely had it in, you know, savings, but, you know, it was there, and I was sitting in the front row, uh, like, you know, pastors do, and my wife was sitting, you know, halfway back, and, and I couldn't, you know, turn over, hey, are you hearing the same thing I'm hearing, Tam? You know, you hear what's going on, and, and, then I knew I was in trouble. And so I get up and, and you know, get up in the, on the platform and it's time to take the offering for the fire Bibles. And I just get up and said, well, says, uh, man, the Lord's really speaking to my heart and I just want you to know, I, I think this is no brainer. Says the Johnsons are gonna give $1,000 to the fire Bibles. And that was the moment that I got to see all of the white around my wife's green eyes. And <laughs> they're really pretty, by the way. And, and her eyes just bugged out and, and it was like, oh, what have you done? 
And then she looked at me and she went. And she wrote the check. Now, some of you are wondering right now, what's the great end to this story? Did God pour out his blessing on your lives? Did you get a new car for free? Was there a windfall of money somewhere? No. Maybe we missed some things that the Lord protected us from uh, in regard to you know, physical things going on within the lives of our family. I don't know. But I'll tell you what did happen that day is that we had people in that audience who had never tithed, who had never given an offering before, who gave for the first time that day. And it was a tremendous offering for those fire Bibles that day. And there was a spirit of giving that broke out in the hearts and lives of many in the congregation that day. You know, we need each other. We need each other. And when we cross over the Crimson Bridge, the miraculous follows our lives. Be a giver. It, it, it will help you in your walk with Jesus. It unleashes the amazing in our lives. And it helps us understand in a fresh new way uh, one of the simple meanings of the Crimson Bridge. There is a unity among those who crossed over the Crimson Bridge. And even on this Mother's Day, we are reminded of the roles that mom play in regard to having unity in our own lives. And go ahead and begin playing. We are together as a local church. We are together as followers of Jesus Christ. We even interfaced with a pastor uh, from the Presbyterian Church, my wife and I, on Friday, and went over to their church, the parking lot, to sign a petition that's going around in our community. Hopefully every Christian in town signs it. Uh, that's my position. But be the answer to the call of the Spirit in your heart and in your life. Be the answer of being of one heart and of one mind together. Be the answer of being a people that give to one another to encourage and build one another up. If you don't know where to start, call our, our church. Our staff will help you focus your energy, your, your mind, your direction, time, talent, treasures, whatever it is that you have to give right now, we can find a place for you to direct that. But friend, look around you. So many, so many that need help right now. I don't care if you're wearing a mask or not to go over and mow a senior adult's lawn or do some chores and things that somebody needs to have done that they can't do or to hear about somebody who's having it really rough right now and they need some groceries. Buy them some groceries. Put your mask on, go to Costco, get a good price. Wait till Winco gets here, it's gonna be awesome. But help, encourage, lift up, support. And so that way when we come back together, we're gonna to tell stories about the great and wonderful and mighty things that God has done through our lives during this wacky season.
And we'll look back on it with, we never want to do that again. But here's what I did during that time. Here's what I did to spend that time for the glory of God and for his purposes and for his kingdom. Let me pray with you. And we're also going to pray for all of our women today as well. Perhaps the Lord is dealing with your heart this morning. He knows. We need each other. We need each other. Let's bow our heads and hearts. Jesus, we are so grateful, God, for your presence in our lives. We're grateful, Lord, for all those who are around us within the local church, the body of believers. And even though our proximity to one another seems distant right now, Lord, by your spirit, we are near. We are near. God, help us to find ourselves being your hand extended to one another during this time. So that, Lord, when we're together, we will say, you have done great things, Lord, during this crazy season. And that we will continue together as we join hands together to see your purposes accomplished in greater ways in our lives and in our community. Help us, Lord, to rise up. Lord, even now, you're speaking to hearts about things that are right around us, right around us, that we can do to make a difference. Lord, let us not shrink back. Let us not have a, a wonderful thought and then do nothing about it. But Lord, let us act on it. Grant it, we pray. And Lord Jesus, today, for every mom within my hearing, bless them. Let them sense and know your nearness. And Lord, for every woman, every woman in our lives, God, may they sense the warmth of your embrace today, the warmth of your presence in such a manner, God, that they'll be lifted up. Lord, each one of the women in our lives, everyone, be lifted up today. Lord, not only now, but in the days ahead. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen means so be it. So be it.